The reading this morning is taken from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 20. It's found on page 1174 of the Church Bibles. A prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. May I speak in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we experience the touch of his Holy Spirit as we draw close to him. Amen. It's a very great pleasure to be with you this morning. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, others who make these services happen. And uh, thank you to Tim for the invitation uh, some months back. And uh, I hope that Tim and Kate and the family are having a good and a refreshing time. It is lovely to be back, and I'm in the course of this morning's sermon, I'm going to be uh, weaving in something of uh, my own particular ministry and role within the worldwide church, but using the passage from Ephesians as a springboard for that. A number of weeks ago, in fact, let's just see how, yes, uh, this technology is working. Uh, th this is my role for those of you who um, may not uh, remember me from previous occasions. In fact, you won't remember this bit because it's changed. Because some six or seven months ago, uh, I moved with my wife to Stoke-on-Trent, where I've in fact driven from there this morning, uh, to take on... Did I hear a cheer for Stoke <laughs> Yes, it's a great place. It's really a very, very exciting place to live. And I'm in Cobridge, right kind of in the center. Uh, and um, that's to take on an expression of world mission here, which is cross-cultural mission. And so in addition to the world mission role, which I have for the diocese, which is now 
I have this cross-cultural um, mission role, and I'll say a little bit more about that later. Um, we are, this morning, going to be thinking particularly about prayer, and I want to draw upon insights from both the global church and the local cross-cultural scene that I'm now part of uh, to assist us and to demonstrate what is possible. Um, A number of weeks ago, I was visiting my mother who lives in Edinburgh, and um, she's 93, and I find that if I get a train very early in the morning, I can come back, uh, travel quite cheaply, get there and come back in 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 a day. And um, on the way back, uh, I don't know whether you're the sort of person who likes to talk to the people when other people in a train or you cut off. Uh, Well, I was very much in that second category on this occasion. Uh, But the two women opposite were not obviously feeling the same way and they were on their second bottle of rosé and their two, (laughs) two, two daughters who were going to some judo championship, I think in Sheffield, were on the other side of the compartment. And they were interrogating the, the person next to me. who was a policeman who had some fascinating stories to tell, and they asked one question after another. Unfortunately, he had to get off at Preston, so the spotlight turned on to me. So what do you do then? I, and I have to confess, as an ordained priest, I dread being asked that question. I'm, I'm sorry about that, but, you know, it, it, at times I do. So I said, I thought, oh dear, no, they've been having such a lively conversation. What's going to happen now? I thought, well, why don't you guess? And and you know what the first question they asked me was, are you in sales? (laughs) Was it that obvious? So I said, well, yes, I am really. I deal with a very valuable and much sought-after product. Um, And and then it went on, and what's your sort of catchment area? Oh, it's global, I said. Um, some of you may have heard Jay John answering <laughs> something rather like this. And, and it could have gone on in that sort of way. Um, but they did eventually guess what my job was. And, um, and it led to a good conversation. But there's another feature of my job, which I guess is also pay, being paid to pray. Rather an astonishing thing. And I, and I think at depth, many of us, more than anything else, would like to be people of prayer. But at different ways, we can be hampered, often with a tremendous sense of guilt. You know, I don't pray as I could or as I should, and I end up doing nothing as a result, being completely disempowered. One of the very helpful words of wisdom that were passed on to me was, pray as you can, not as you can't. In other words, God has given you very definite gifts of prayer, celebrate, rejoice in that, move on with that onwards, but don't be just crippled thinking about the person next to you or that super spiritual person in church who really knows how to pray. Actually, when you get behind the surface, you find some of those super spiritual people are having every bit as much of a struggle as you are. Do you remember how shocked people were when they realized from Mother Teresa's memoirs that she had times of doubt, times of darkness. Really? Of course she did. And I would go on to say the deeper and the more real our faith is, uh, the more we're going to be having those times because of the very nature of the spiritual calling. So pray as you can, not as you can't. And this passage from Ephesians gives a very wonderful model 
for prayer. There are a number of biblical models of prayer from Moses, from Daniel, from Nehemiah. The Psalms are full of them. It's quite useful because sometimes we can't, as it were, sort of generate enough um, of a focus on our own. We need the help of established prayers, whether these are the prayers of the church or prayers like this that give a most amazing insight from Paul for the Ephesians. And I'm going to just turn to look at a few of the um, other ways in which prayer embraces the whole world because as we look at this passage, there are a few things that struck me. Uh, In verse 15, we refer to every family in heaven and on earth. And it strikes me that as we pray, we connect rightly with a God who is father of every family in heaven and on earth. And then we also have that sense too of praying with the whole wider family of God of which we are part. And so when Paul prays that we may know the depth of his love, we also realize and are called to be part of that through his grace throughout all generations forever and ever. You may be aware that the diocese has um, four particular links in South Africa, in Canada, in uh, North Germany, and in Southeast Asia. And we are joined together with them as one family in prayer. We actually find different ways of connecting with them. And quite recently, I was able to go to the Diocese of Sabah, one of the Southeast Asian links that we were formally linked with, and then it was brought to an end because of the tensions within the Anglican Communion, within the Church of England, the Episcopal Church, the suspicion that we'd lost our way, we were selling out, um, and yet there was this door opening for building again that bridge of trust and friendship uh, through an invitation to attend the installation of the sixth bishop of Sabah, uh, Bishop Melter. He is the first bishop from the uh, indigenous uh, Kadazan tribe, and he's faced with an enormous task in Sabah because for the last five, six years, there's been tremendous division within the diocese. And so he asked us to pray for him. So we remember the whole family of the church, particularly let's pray for the, the vibrant and growing church in Sabah, yet one where there's a tremendous amount of healing to be done following this, these recent years. Within Southeast Asia, we should remember too the tensions being faced by Christians who have not been allowed to freely use the translation, the Malay translation of the Bible that they've used for generations. This translation includes the word Allah to translate God. And Muslims are saying, no, that's our word. You can't use it. Incidentally, you've probably noticed that David Cameron's uh, just going to Southeast Asia to have conversation with the Prime Minister of Malaysia and the President of Indonesia, particularly addressing this whole area 
of radicalization, seeking to learn from them and, if possible, to provide some degree of support. The Christians in Southeast Asia, a flourishing, vibrant, growing church, face many forms of oppression from being in a Muslim-dominated society. And one of these revolves around the use of Allah translating God, where they're just simply told they cannot use that word. And they're saying, well, we've used it for generations. It's not your word as such. So uh, we pray for them as they seek to work that through. The Singapore Cathedral of St. Andrews uh, is a very inspiring place, very strong focus on what it means to follow Jesus. They run Alpha courses, which are very widely supported and, uh, and meaningful. But in Southeast Asia, as indeed within Europe, there are a lot of very pressing issues, such as the plight of, of migrants. And these were a, a people group of, of Muslims fleeing from Myanmar, from, from, from Burma. And we pray, as we pray, for all these people. As we think about prayer within the wider family of the church, um, I was quite struck at verse 14 where Paul actually talks about kneeling before the Father. I don't know what position you like to be in when you pray. Um, Because there's quite a lot to choose from. One of the... uh, good positions for prayer is standing. Uh, Kneeling is another, sitting. Uh, Then I spent some time in South India and attended an orthodox seminary where the students there spent a lot of time prostrate uh, in prayer, lying down on their front. And they'd actually spend about five hours a day in prayer, a lot of the time in that position. You might think, well, that's quite a good sort of workout. <laughs> but, uh, but actually, there's a deeper significance. And um, I think position does matter. Obviously, kneeling shows a humility. But in my experience, in daily prayer, the important thing at home is to find a, a, a comfortable position that where you're supported, not going to immediately fall off to sleep. Um, but do take note of that um, that, that, that reference. And here in this, with this Middle Eastern prayer, there's suggestions about different actions that one can do that uh, resonate with the different positions in prayer. Um, one of my friends from M- Malawi, uh, Alinafi Kalembi, um, he sent this message at Pentecost, a message of support, a message of understanding the work of God's Spirit. And I hope that a number of us are connected with brothers and sisters throughout the world, throughout the world church, who can provide insights and encouragements to us in prayer. But there's a reference to, I spoke about the church out there, and I've highlighted some particular areas in which we can pray for them but also the world that's come here. In Stoke, I am part of a drop-in center for asylum seekers and refugees uh, in in Cobridge. 
and in Hanley called Sanctus. And some 60, 70, 80 people come every Wednesday morning uh, to this. And many of them facing tremendous pressures. None of them have made the decision lightly to leave situations of tremendous oppression and uh, persecution and difficulty. And the situation they find here is often very, very difficult. And it's wonderful to be in a position to offer some measure of support. In fact, yesterday at one of the churches in the team, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church had a big gathering, and that included quite a number of asylum seekers and refugees. And they gathered at St. Mark's Church, Hanley. Um, and it was just such an amazing experience of the richness of the world, church that's come here, what we can learn and benefit from. But this picture was taken the previous weekend when uh, four of people who come to Sanctus were, were baptized and confirmed. The, the person on the right here is um, Osman, who's from Kurdistan. He had, he's from a Muslim background. Uh, he had a dream at night of the, a figure who he believed to be Jesus coming to him. Uh, and he said, I want to do something about it. But he was helped by the person in the middle called Abbas from Iran, who has uh, been, who was baptized about a year ago when he came to England in Birmingham at the Oasis Christian Fellowship. And Abbas has been a kind of guide to Osman. Uh, and at the actual baptism and confirmation, when the opportunity for testimony comes, um, actually Osman can't speak any English. And so he spoke his language, which was in turn interpreted by Abbas into English for everyone else. It was a very powerful experience and a picture of that whole family of God. But as we think too of that wider family, at the moment, soul survivors on. I don't know if people from here are at, at that. Uh, and there's a group from our German link in the Church of Northern Germany coming to that. Teenagers who are not getting within their context there's the support and the encouragement and the teaching that follows on from confirmation. So we pray that they will this time round at Soul Survivor meet people who can really encourage them and resource them. I'll actually come on to the um, prayer diary just a little bit later because that's when I'll be talking just to, uh, a little bit later. Yeah, <laughs> quite soon. Um, uh, if I, I wanted to just highlight from the passage if we were picturing today, let's say Tim and Kate praying for you, they may well put together, if they were sufficiently inspired, a prayer like this, because this is a mind-blowing prayer. It's a prayer from someone who's passionately concerned that God's people will grow in faith. Why do so many people get stuck? I don't know the answer to that. But an awful lot of us get stuck. We reach a point and we just don't grow, we don't change, and we just do the same old, same old, and we wonder why we're getting bored, and uh, we, we lose it. What is it that can help us to grow? Paul's longing is that the Christians in Ephesus, that 
the Ephesian church will actually grow not by dint of their own efforts and their own sort of determination, but because of who Christ is. And he portrays this remarkable picture of something that is truly mind-blowing, of a love which surpasses all knowledge and a longing that we may grasp how wide and long, high and deep is the love of God. I don't know why we'd stop learning. Sometimes it's only, and no one would look for this, an experience of pain or suffering that can help us once again uh, to sort of reorientate ourselves towards really depending and growing into the knowledge of God's love. But this presents us with this picture. Do you remember the translation by J.B. Phillips of the New Testament? I think it was 1952. And then he wrote his, uh, an autobiography, and it was called, I believe, Your God is Too Small. And in many ways, that little phrase connects with this prayer of Paul. Because he is saying, very, very likely, all too easily, we've got a God who is too small. We've got a God who is made in our image, who's at our convenience. God is beyond anything, the greatest we can imagine. We, make, we turn God into a formula. We turn God into some neat doctrinal structure with which we can attack others who don't tick the right boxes. This doesn't seem to me to be the Jesus I find in the New Testament. It doesn't seem to me to be the Jesus which is described here by Paul. That longing for each of us to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This love that surpasses knowledge. Knowledge is valuable, yes, but there's a love that actually surpasses knowledge that's beyond the categories that we have to actually fully express, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Sorry, that picture, that slide there, in practical terms, I hope that we find ways of praying in a regular and informed way, inspired by this God who is beyond all understanding. One of the practical ways we hope you use, uh, and I know the church has a prayer diary, is that right? We have a prayer meeting on Tuesday morning. You have a prayer meeting on Tuesday mornings? Okay. Well, uh, one of the ways of connecting with the prayer openings within the diocese is through the diocesan prayer diary, which can be found at the Litchfield website. Every day there are prayers, prayers for the worldwide church and prayers to, for either our, one of our companion links or one of our parishes within the diocese. And that's the prayer diary for today. Do you, does this ring a bell? Prayer is a vital part in the giving of our tithe. Anyone guess where that comes from? You know what? comes from here. <laughs> it comes from your website. 
because, um, and this is where there's a little bit more information, whether this is still correct or it's been updated. There are two meetings a month in people's homes where we received up-to-date information from the missionaries and praying to their needs. One on the first Saturday in the month, uh, and the other on the third Monday of the month. Are these, is this? Um, yes. yes. <laughs> Good. So do support these uh, prayer meetings, because there's great strength in addition to praying on your own, in praying with others and being supported and encouraged by them. I'm also helped by using a resource such as um, With All God's People, which actually draws on prayers from different countries and different cultures. CMS have a wonderful book called 365 Days of Yes, um, which again draws on those perspectives of people who are missionally committed to their areas, whether it's other parts of the world or in England. And then here, I know that you have used the community of St. Chad material, and I've been here to speak about it different times. The second or third rhythm of grace from the community is that by God's grace, I will seek Set aside time for prayer, worship, and spiritual reading. You may actually find, and some of you have already, that this provides a resource of just getting that additional encouragement in prayer to go deeper. I'd like us to close by saying together the final blessing that Paul's prayer, as it were, the doxology that it leads up to. So can we say this together? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.